0: Welcome to episode 414 of Canada's Pinball Podcast from a truly unique location tonight. It is 1.46 in the morning and I wanted to do a pinball podcast. I am suffering from severe jet lag coming back from Tokyo. I have not been able to sleep at night. And, and the problem is when you live in a one-bedroom apartment doing a podcast at 1.46 in the morning when you have an Irish woman sleeping and an English bulldog snoring, it really isn't an option. So my only options of locations to do this, where I could try to go down the basement, but the super's down there sleeping, and the doorman usually sleeps in one of the rooms down there. I could go to work, or I could go to what I think is the quietest location in the nearest vicinity to me, uh, and that is the rooftop. So, I am up on top of my building recording this episode for you, the listener of Canadian Pinball Podcast. So, what are we going to talk about on this episode of Canadian Pinball Podcast? So, here's what I was thinking about a couple of things I want to talk about because, you know, we are in a little bit of a lull when it comes to pinball news, but you know me, we will always find new things to discuss. I want to talk about what I think is probably one of the biggest untapped revenue potentials for every single pinball company out there. And we know that when you're a pinball manufacturer, you have to find ways to make money uh, in in different ways than just the game itself. But I think where most of them are short-sighted is in how they approach this sort of feverish community that will absorb so much from them. And yet they get so little, right? They only seem to get a game out to people and maybe... A little bit of options for the game and some crappy t shirts. And that seems to be the extent of the pinball merchandise that makes its way out from manufacturers. So we're, g- we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the game that I said was probably most likely going to come back this year that everyone has ridden off. And I hear that it is actually going to happen. So we're going to talk about that. And then finally, uh, we will close this episode with a moment of silence for whoever bought that Supreme pinball machine. We'll talk a little bit about that crazy sale that happened for like $38,000. So first first and foremost, I want to congratulate um, Zach Many on putting up a piece of content about how to clear coat your pinball play field. I mean, that is like content that what maybe 0.01% of pinball, people in this hobby are qualified to attempt a pinball clear coating job. So look out for Canada's Pinball Podcast new video series on open heart surgery, uh, where I go into the details on how you can perform open heart surgery on yourself, and I guarantee uh, you'll survive. Okay, let's 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 go on to the biggest untapped revenue stream happening in pinball right now. So here's the thing: if you're a pinball company and you want to give your community and your buyers uh, what they really want. So right now they give us games, okay? So let's just put games to the side. We know that pinball manufacturers will sell us games. From that point on, they have a, a loyal consumer base, right? They have a fan base. What other stuff is a pinball company selling you right now, right? So let's look at Stern Pinball, the biggest pinball company in the world. They will sell you T-shirts. They will sell you merchandise, like I think there's like some sweatshirts. Um, all of it, most of it, isn't really that great. Let's be honest. It's not the greatest. Okay, I won't even go down the Stern Insider T-shirt that you got when you signed up for that program. Okay, from there, and I'm just looking around me to see if like anyone's up on this rooftop because it's a little freaky up here. I feel like Batman. All right. Okay. So from there, they they also will sell you a topper and they will sell you uh, side armor and inside art blades, the inner art blades to a game, okay? Now from that point on, from that point on, they don't really sell you anything extra in your game. Now, why is it that pinball manufacturers don't tap into the mod market, right? The mod market in pinball is one of the most profitable marketplaces uh, in the entire industry. And if you think, you know, people have like called this out time and time again, like you buy a little matchbox car, you wire to have some lights and all of a sudden you're paying like $90 for a Batmobile Uh, and there's a lot of 3D printed stuff. Now, I know some work goes into designing and making these things, but the amount of money people are spending on these mods. The profit margins on them is significant. It just is. Now, why is it that a pinball company doesn't, when they release a game, also have a division that is working on mods for the game that are approved by the licensor? Now, look, n- most of them don't even need licensor approval. I mean, you can go around a game like Batman 66 And do you need a license or approval to do the, the crane mod or the atomic pile mod, Uh, you know, to do flipper bat mods? I'm not really sure you do. Now, if you do need approval, there's no way those mod companies are getting that approval and it would be much easier for a company that has permission to make all the things around that IP to create those mods. So I think that mods are where the money is at for a lot of these pinball companies. And you know, it's not just it doesn't have to stop just there because imagine this for just a minute imagine this imagine you buy the new Elvira game and you know the game comes as it is why can't Stern Pinball maybe think about down the road actually making the designer edition mods for the game so imagine if they did this imagine if they made Dennis Nordman's original designed for the ramps and offered them up for sale. Why could they not do that? It wouldn't really change the gameplay. If you alter the ramps a little bit, it's not going to change anything about the way the game is coded. Uh, the speed of the ball going, you know, back to the flipper. So what if it's off by like fractions of a second? But how cool would that be if they did that? You know, what's stopping Dennis Nordman himself? from making those mods for the game? Would Stern stop him if he made his original ramps and sold them? Who wouldn't buy Dennis Nordman's original ramps for his Elvira design if he created them, right? And then you start to think about the numbers that are out there with these games and all of a sudden you start to realize if you design a mod that is super awesome that almost everyone has to put into the game because it's great, you're, you're talking about a few thousand potential buyers okay and 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 let's say you make a uh, hundred dollar profit on new ramps for the game so you all of a sudden have opened up maybe a hundred two hundred thousand dollar profit on on a simple thing like sculpting plastic ramps to put in an Elvira game okay so there's other parts of the game too right how, how has a company ever has a company from the manufacturer from the manufacturer ever offered a limited edition translate that they sold after the fact? So how cool would it be when Zambieti is doing you know maybe three translates per game? He also does like a special edition translate. You could limit them. You can make them you know maybe we're only going to make 150. Maybe we're going to make 500 you can make them available unlimited supply but you could actually go around a game and start to see all the potential in the game so i think there's definitely definitely an untapped opportunity now you might be saying canada don't, you know, if they do that, they're going to cut the legs off from underneath all the mod community, and the mod community is one of the greatest communities in pinball. And I do agree with that. I mean, there's, there is, there, there. I, I don't want people to stop making mods for games, and I, I think they still will. Okay, but a pinball company with its resources, with its engineers, with its like sculpting machines and CNC machines, they have the ability. To make some really, really cool stuff for these games that I think a lot of people would buy into. And, and, I, and I look at these games, right? These are toys and dressing them up is one of the most fun parts of the hobby. And you should be able to go down an options list of real cool things you can put into your game after the fact that goes beyond just the typical topper or inner art blades or side armor. Okay, And we know, we know Stern is making a fortune on those kinds of mods. Now, th- that's just stuff to do with the game. But what about the lifestyle, right? It's a lifestyle brand. What about the different things they could sell you, things to hang on the wall, right? Other articles of clothing to wear. I mean, they really could do a lot more. I mean, I love seeing the design sketches of these pinball machines. You could create an entire like lithograph series of all the original designer sketches of the games. Have you ever seen uh, George Gomez's sketches? They're one of the coolest things ever to see how his ideas go from a, a you know, a pencil and paper sketch into a pinball machine. So, all that stuff has value right? Has tons of value. And I think the community and the and the fans would love access to some of this stuff uh, other than the typical stuff, okay? So do we think that's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. I think if I was sitting in another company, you know, Stern is obviously... Uh, in the driver's seat when it comes to all of this stuff. But Jersey Jack, another great example of a, of a company that's got a diehard fan base and Willy Wonka is a game that is just screaming, screaming for amazing mods for that game. Now, now and here's the thing too, is if you're Jack and, and you know you can already get people to buy this game with, you know, maybe the factory looking like that, or maybe the WonkaVator looking like that, and then you sell an upgraded version of it uh, on the second hand, I don't think people would mind. I really, really don't. And maybe that's why they don't do it. Maybe they, they're afraid that people are gonna complain that why didn't you just put this in uh, for $9,000 or $9,500, and you know, I, I, that might be a great devil's advocate argument, but for the most part, I do think that th- they are just scratching the surface of the potential to get people to you know buy other mods for the games that come from the manufacturers. Let's see if Stern does any of this. Sometimes I think they listen to some of my advice. Um, so let's talk about Stranger Things because I keep hearing Stranger Things come up over and over again as like the next Stern title. And I, I think it's ludicrous to debate whether or not Stranger Things is a good theme for pinball. It, it absolutely is. Because if you look at the segment where pinball is growing the most, if you look at the age demographic, where pinball is becoming uh, the most you know, the most new people into the hobby, you are talking about probably late 20s to early 40s. That's the, the newest group of people coming into the hobby, both from, I think, like a tournament and a player age group, and also from a buyer base. And Stranger Things hits that demographic perfectly. And if if you haven't watched Stranger Things, I I highly recommend you do. If you watched it and gave up maybe on season two, I highly recommend you watch season three because it's incredible. Uh, Would it translate into a great pinball machine? I think it would, but I think it would be a little bit challenging because of how uh, much story there is going on in a way. And, but I think you could do it. I, I really do. I think there's so many moments in that in that show that lend themselves to different. Uh, you know mechanisms and to different uh, toys and to different layouts you know you got the you know the the upside down world you know I think you could think really creatively about how you do that uh, the Christmas tree lighting up like there's a lot of cool uh, you know visuals from that show that you could put into a pinball and, and make it an immersive experience now but here's the biggest thing that I'm like well if there's one thing that I, I, I I would be cautious of when we think about Stranger Things, it's, it's, it's this. Is, is Will Stern spend the money to get the necessary assets that I think you would need to do Stranger Things justice? So, for example, you can't do Stranger Things without the iconic music from the show. Both the theme song of the show itself, but also the 80s music that appears throughout the show it, it is just part of the experience. You know, like you, you, and it would be hard, right? Because some of those songs and some of those iconic scenes feature songs like Aha's "Take on Me," which has almost got a billion views on YouTube. So that's expensive. Uh, the Never Ending Story song from season three, like you can't even do any of season three without leading to that moment because it's that's just it. Like that's the culmination. That's the final Wizard Mode song for season three or the final multiball, right? So would Stern do that, right? And I hear people saying. Well, it'd be awesome to have like Ego Waffle pop bumpers. So then you have to ask yourself, well, do you think Stern Pinball is going to go to get the license to use Ego Waffles? I mean, they, didn't, they couldn't even get the license for a Jeep Cherokee. So I don't think that is going to happen. You know, Jeep would love to have, would love to promote their, their cars inside a pinball machine. I can't imagine it was that expensive. So does a neutered down version of Stranger Things appeal to you? Uh, but we but we do know, I think we do know that someone has the Stranger Things license. So it, it if anyone's going to get it, it's going to be Stern. Now, do I think that Brian Eddy's next game is Stranger Things? I don't. I really don't. And, you know, I don't think that's fake news. I just don't think it is. Um, but, but it seems to be the title coming up over and over and over again. And whenever I start to see a title repeat it very frequently... It has to come from somewhere, okay? Now, when will we see the next Stern title? When are we going to hear about it? So if I were a betting man, I think Stern is going to reveal their next title around the first or second week in December. I I don't think they're going to do it around Thanksgiving. Maybe they do it on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I don't know. Um, I would, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be this year though. Like it's going to happen. There's going to be the next cornerstone game from Stern. And it's, I, I would highly doubt that it's going to be the Led Zeppelin rumored pin. Okay. Now, speaking of before the year is up, you know what is the game that I've been saying is going to come back is going to come back is going to come back and that game if you remember is Alien Pinball. Now I am hearing more and more lately that this thing is happening and it's going to happen before the end of the year. Okay. Now I I haven't seen it. I have absolutely no confirmation other than what I'm hearing from people and but when we look, we reported on this, we said it was gonna happen, we thought it was gonna happen sooner than it, it actually has. We do know for a fact, like if, if you just listen to people uh, who are in the industry, like I've had a conversation with Chicago Gaming Company and they said, hey Chris, we got approached by the Pinball Brothers to remake Alien. Okay, so I know that happened. So if you know that happened, then you know it's not dead like these guys are looking for an outlet. Now, let's let's try and see if we can determine on the rooftop of my building as I look at the Empire State Building all lit up, let's see if I can if we can guess together as if we're actually talking to each other. Who would make this pin? Like who's manufacturing this pinball machine? So, here's a crazy idea. Do you think Deep Root might show an Alien video? No, that's not going to happen, right? They're doing their own platform. I, I, I couldn't imagine Robert would go, go backwards to a failed game. But you know what? Let's play Devil's Advocate on Canadian Spinball Podcast. Why wouldn't he go grab Alien? He went and grabbed three other failed titles from Zidware that never really made it, that burned customers. So why not go grab another game that burned customers that never really made it? At least Alien works. At least it's got one of the best codes ever in pinball. At least it's got one of the most immersive pinballed experiences. I mean, when you hear people talk about Alien when it's actually working, okay, you hear nothing, nothing but glowing remarks. So here's another reason why I'm sort of like, well, maybe Deep Root does make sense. Well, two of the major, major people who worked on Alien Pinball are now at Deep Root the designer and the sound engineer, you know, Dennis Norman and David, David Thiel. Thiel. I always, I, c- I can never remember which way it is to pronounce it. I can hear Rare Hero now, like banging his head against the wall, but they're both over there. So maybe it makes sense that they would bring it to them. But then the coder, right? Isn't the coder over at American Pinball? So does American Pinball do they enter into the conversation about possibly being the company that's going to bring Alien out? And when Dobble says, I think you're going to be very happy with our next title that we're working on, could it possibly be Alien? Now, I know Josh Kugler said, nope, it's not happening. It's not that. And so, okay, well, Josh works at American Pinball. He's the coder. So maybe we take his word for it. And then the question becomes, maybe it's not any of these pinball manufacturers, but it has to be, and here's why. There is no way a theme like Alien, if they actually want to sell the game and they need to get orders on it and they need to get people to spend money, there's no way anyone is going to give them money unless it is being built by a reputable company and they must know that. They can't be they can't be stupid enough to think that anyone is going to go in on it if they've set up manufacturing in just some like random place. You know, if, if like HomePin was making it, nope, that wouldn't be enough credibility to get the game out the door. Have you seen their like Chinese zombie game coming out? My god. Just stick a fork in these guys. They won't go away. They keep ma- the Chinese pinball market. There is no Chinese pinball market. If you spend any time in Asia, it's all about redemption games, arcade games. They don't play pinball. You're not going to turn them into pinball fanatics with a a zombie-based game. All right. So actually, you know, right now my voice might sound a little bit different because I'm actually back in the bedroom, and it is now 11 o'clock or 11:30 in the morning because up on the rooftop my computer about 22 minutes in just died and there's nowhere to plug it in and charge it up there on the rooftop. So I hope you understand that Canada makes sacrifices for you listeners of the show, okay? And we don't have expensive studios and expensive equipment and all this stuff. The most expensive thing you can have or the most valuable thing you can have in the pinball podcasting world is a personality and you can't buy that with equipment, right? (laughs) All right, so let's talk about the Supreme game, I think it sold for over thirty-eight thousand uh, dollars. Not surprised at all that this thing sold for that. I mean, I, I everlast punching bags sell for like ten or twenty thousand dollars, and that is one of the coolest Supreme items you could put in your house if you collect Supreme items because it's 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 interactive. Um, and so these machines originally sold for ten thousand dollars. Now, that is incredible. That Someone who got a Supreme Machine now has something worth $28,000 more than uh, they originally paid. Now, who said pinball was a bad investment? Or who said we shouldn't think about pinball with the resale value? And who said we should just go in and buy it because it's fun, Right. Now Supreme's a different monster. Now for all of you out there, and I've said this before, for all of you out there who always talk about expanding pinball and getting pinball to reach new audiences and and getting young kids into pinball, the Supreme pinball machine has accomplished that more. And I don't mean like more in terms of like now more people are going to be buying pinball machines, but I'm just in terms of awareness, in terms of reaching broader audiences. This pinball machine has has seen, more eyeballs have seen it than almost all of the pinball content that every single pinball personality has created, than every single piece of pinball content Stern has created. It's just that reality like go look at the views that supreme got on their videos and then you've got you know all the pinball guys are struggling to get 5000 views on their video and i think they got like almost like 2 million views on the supreme pinball machine and look it, it it's not for us though and 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 ev- everyone should just realize that they made this for supreme fans and that's what supreme does i mean i'm actually working on a brand right now where supreme is making a version of the brand and what's interesting about it is when Supreme knocks on your door and they want to make a Supreme version of your thing, they have total control. You don't get to tell them anything. You don't get to tell them anything creatively. They get to control everything about it. They get to control how many you make, where it's going to be sold, how it's going to be sold, when it's going to be released. They are the powerhouse. I mean, Supreme is a much more valuable brand than Stern Pinball absolutely more valuable brand than stern pinball especially globally uh and so you know at the, i just think it was fine that they did that i had no problems with it I, I actually think if i were stern i would look at other other sort of like entities in which you could make really unique pinball machines and sell them to people i i've said it before uh, i they could easily make a Gucci pinball machine and sell it in, in the Gucci stores around the world and they would sell every one. And everyone on Pinside would moan and groan because nobody there has any fashion sense. Okay, let's go on. Um, what else is going on in pinball? So waking up this morning, I, I keep thinking about this Stranger Things and, and it just can't, it, it can't be wrong that there is a Stranger Things pin happening somewhere, right? There's so much chatter about it Um, But then again, we heard a lot of chatter about Jaws. So do you think—here's what someone told me. They are like, Chris, Stranger Things is going to be Brian Eddy's next game, and it's going to be revealed at CES in January, which is the beginning of January. So do we think that rumor is true, that Brian Eddy's next game is Stranger Things, and it's going to be revealed at CES in January? So that would mean that we won't see Stern's next cornerstone game before the year is up. Now I don't know if if we're gonna see it. If if the more I think about it, like why would Stern, during the holidays in which people are buying stuff and spending money, why would they? If the game is not on the line, why would they reveal it during this time of year? And because if they reveal it and the game's not shipping that's gonna pause sales on the current games they're trying to sell right now. So Star Wars, you know, with the comic book art, Elvira, uh, Jurassic Park is hot right now. So the the more games they keep releasing, every new game obviously will cannibalize sales of the current lineup. So I, I don't know, we'll see what happens. I do know that this is a nice window if I was another manufacturer to reveal something. But the problem with all these other manufacturers is very simple. When you reveal a game, you wanna be able to take people's money quickly and you wanna be able to get games out the door quickly. And so I've never seen anyone really do it that successfully other than Stern. I haven't, I haven't seen anyone say, here's my new game and you can have it in just a couple weeks or a few weeks. It has been nothing but really, really long delays, right? I mean, even look at the collector's edition of, um, uh, you know, Willy Wonka collector's edition, which actually is just on the line right now. Jack just uploaded a photo of it on the line. So let's just count the months. Jack reveals Willy Wonka in April, announces he's going to be making uh, 5,000 limited edition games and 500 collector's edition games. Okay, so how many months... Between collector's edition announcement and shipment, you got April. Well, let's just say, let's just start with May because it was end of April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. All right, so we're at seven months later, and people still have not received the high end version of the game. See, that's crazy to me. I mean, how many months went by before Stern got people? Um, Elvira signature editions? Now that's a good question, right? Because if we've looked at Elvira right now, the LEs have shipped or are shipping and people's premiums are also arriving. Now, here's what I think Stern is doing. I think Stern is, is actually going to surprise and delight the signature edition buyers because they've probably heard people like me slamming the people for being suckers I think they're going to surprise the signature buyers with more in that game than they initially reported because no one would ever complain about them adding stuff to the package. They would only complain if you remove stuff or change stuff you promised, right? Kind of like how Willy Wonka collector's edition buyers are not happy that the topper isn't what was promised. See, I think Stern is actually gonna go add a topper which is obviously the most important thing in pinball in 2019. If you listen to every pinball podcast, it's all about toppers now. That's all that matters. You don't even need a game. You could sell people a, a, an empty box with a topper on top, and that's good enough apparently for us now in pinball because uh, we've lost interest in the mechanical things underneath the play field – or, sorry, underneath the glass. Um, no, but here's the thing. So I think they're going to do that. I think they're going to add more to the game. I just – I do. I, I think they, they're they going to do something surprising because because they know – when people unbox that $15,000 machine, if it's just a piece of couch and the game looks exactly like the LE, I think they know those buyers are going to feel underwhelmed. Um, so I would look for them to do more in that game. All right. What else is going on in pinball right now? So are we going to see any images from Dutch Pinball of them making the Big Lebowski? Can we see something? Can we? Has, has anyone heard anything? Hopefully... Um, we'll see something soon. I, I, I don't know. How long does it take? See, here's what I think happened. Here's where I think that Barry had partially assembled games. I, I think they were uh, more than just partially assembled. And I think he screwed together whatever needed to happen. And he put them in the, the cabinets that he did have. But then it reaches the point where he's out of cabinets. And once you're out of cabinets... There's, there's nothing you can do, right? It's, it's over. You need to get new cabinets. And so then it comes down to, does he have the investment capital to order all the new things he needs and then go find a factory and then go set up a production line and then hire workers and then train those new workers on how to make these games and then wait for those parts to come in? Because something that we always forget about is the actual time it takes once you order a part to get those parts in. And, and the stuff that he needs is not off-the-shelf stuff. It's, it's customized stuff that takes a long time to get. So I think the wait is going to be months. Now the question is, do you think we're going to hear from Barry and see proof that new Lebowski's are going out the door before the year is over? Uh, I don't think so. I've never had faith that they will ever deliver what they promise, but I hope they do. I really do, I hope people get their games. But do I think Barry can make 500 games in one year? Because that's sort of what he was promising. Now, if you think about it, that's about how many games Spooky Pinball makes in a year. And look at Spooky Pinball's factory, look at their highly trained staff at this point, look at the number of people that work there, look at the years of experience they've had to learn how to get to that level of manufacturing the games themselves. Now ask yourself a question. How many years of experience does Barry have in setting up a pinball manufacturing company? And it's a big fat zero because he's always had to go and get a contract manufacturer. So I don't I, I just don't think the future looks as bright as some of the people think. Now that being said, um, big Lebowski sales. I you know we have to have a moment of silence people for uh, once Kaneda pinside pinball listener, uh, pinball. I think his name is pinball gizzard. Gizzard. <laughs> I think it's pinball gizzard. He he said on uh, on pinside that he is no longer listening to Kaneda's pinball podcast after he saw Canada sell his Big Lebowski machine on eBay. And someone needs to go tell pinball gizzard that Kaneda did not sell his Big Lebowski on eBay. Kaneda still has his Big Lebowski sitting in a box at Coin Taker. I still don't know what to do with it. I, I, I've i been waiting. I've been waiting for one thing. Uh, and the one thing I've been waiting for is just spare parts on the game. I want to know if spare parts are available. And I haven't had any word that they are. I haven't seen anyone get spare parts. I haven't heard from Melissa if they ever came in. And I don't know if if, if they're ever going to get them. And that's what I'm waiting for. Because I would not take a Big Lebowski and open it up and put it in my home Unless I had some backup. Now I heard that people are making backups of the boards that are in the big Lebowski. It's gonna get to the point, hopefully, where enough people have the game, where the community of owners will help create stuff so people can back up their games. But some of those mechanisms are highly unique. And like the the bowling alley mechanism and the rug mechanism, and I you know, you're not gonna want to see somebody made those mechs. Here's the interesting thing. Somebody made those mechs. Like somewhere in the world, there is a a vendor that has the ability to make those things. And that vendor makes them and sends them to Barry. Now, I wish we could just cut out the middleman. I wish I could just cut out Barry from this scenario and just go right to the vendor who actually is making these things and order them. Because if I have to wait for Barry, I don't don't have confidence. And even because Barry might have to buy them in bulk. But I think these owners don't even care about the price. They just want the peace of mind to know they can back their game up. All right. What else is going on? Did you guys see the uh, Medieval Madness Remake Royal Edition? There's a great stream of it on Flipping Out Pinball's Monday Night Stream they do on Twitch. Uh, I crashed out and couldn't watch it because I was so tired. But I was watching it uh, yesterday morning. It's a really, really good Uh, overview of the game and the game looks great I think it's you know everyone always says to me when I ask them about it uh, it's just the most beautiful version of Medieval Madness uh, you could ever see so that is where I moved my deposit Uh, I I, you know I plan to put that next to Batman uh, but you know me I'm I'm like I wake up one day and then ah you know maybe Stern shows us Stranger Things and I want to move there I, I love being in this position because when you're in a position of living in New York City, there are tons of pinball games everywhere. Like Sunshine's gonna get Elvira in like two weeks or one week. I think November 19th they're gonna, and they might even have it already. But they have, there's a party there on the 19th for Elvira. I don't have to buy any of these new games to go play them. All of them end up in New York, at a subway ride away, which is two dollars and like 75 cents to get to the place. And when you go to Sunshine, it's great because you can go at off hours when it's not crowded. See, I don't go on league nights when everyone's on there playing, like, games for 45 minutes. I usually go in around noon when they just open up, and the game volumes are really nice. The games are set up brutal. I always I always have to remind myself that, that I can't review a game uh, at Sunshine because they're set up so brutally hard. Um, but, But I can get my fill. And there's other great bars in New York City like Pioneer Bar and uh, uh, there's like uh, 8-Bit, you know, so there's other places I can go and get my pinball fill without having to spend so much money. And then the best place to go is my friend Adam's Loft in which he has like, he's going to get a Medieval Madness remake, L.E. Royal Edition, or not L.E., Royal Edition. He's going to have it and it's going to be down there in Tribeca and his games are set up perfectly and it's the best environment to go play. And so that is the reality of why I never feel completely, um, I never feel like I have to buy anything. And the ones that make it into my bedroom, right? It's like like the woman that makes it into my bedroom and the pinball machine that makes it into my bedroom has to be the greatest in the world. I'm looking at Brenda right now. She's cracking a smile. You know I, I love you, baby. You know I put you in front of pinball, you know, business class to Japan and Seoul. You know how we do it. Come on. She's like, get on with it. They don't want to hear about this stuff. All right. They don't. All right. What else is going on in the pinball world? We're a week away from Deep Root. I can't wait to see what the video is. Will they be making Alien? I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Someone's going to make it eventually. The demand is there. The theme is hot enough. Uh, So we'll see what happens there. And I'm just trying to think if I've missed anything. I don't think so. Everyone. Uh, this has been episode 414 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Um, I'm also going to make a guest appearance on another pinball podcast. Finally, after all the years of doing pinball podcasts, uh, I've finally been invited onto another show. And it is one of my favorite shows. It is uh, Special When Lit with Ken and Bill. I love those two guys. I think they're entertaining. Um, I think they bring a great perspective to pinball. And so uh, hopefully you'll hear it next week. Uh, I think I'm going on Monday and it's going to be great. It's going to be a great chat. Now, maybe I shouldn't have said that because everyone's, don't hit them up and be like, I can't believe you're allowing Kaneda, that negative person onto your show. Um, I'm also like, you know, I've been talking to Zach many and you know, I told Zach what he should do is Zach should totally he should totally use the Twippies as leverage to get onto this show or to be, uh, you know, interviewed by me. And I, I said that, you know, he—he's watch. I bet he's going to say the following. I bet he's going to say, if 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 his podcast this week in Pinball wins the Twippy, then Zach Menny will say he'll come on my show. Watch. I bet he makes like some sort of like silly promise like that. But you know me, I would love to have Zach on the show. I talk to him every day. You know, we jab back and forth with each other on our shows, but I would like to just have a real conversation with Zach about pinball, right? Because it's clear we disagree on some things and it's clear we disagree on on new releases at times and reviews of games at times and like marketing decisions by these companies at times. Look, and I think everyone's making, you know, pinball content. There's so much pinball content out there. You know, Zach clearly wants to make the most pinball content in the history of pinball content, and that's great. I mean, it's his business. I, I, there's, no, there's, no, there's no confusion as to why he would wake up and want to do this and why he's so excited about it. Um, you know, when it comes to distributors reviewing pinball machines— that's where it gets a little interesting when you when you analyze that i mean does amc movie theaters do they do movie reviews you know it, it it's you have to take it all with a little bit of a grain of salt i you know and and but look i listen to those reviews i watch the reviews and i do think they're fair but here's where i just think like you it, for me it boils down to one simple question do you think a distributor and i'm not just talking about zach do you think a distributor who distributes a game would ever tell you this game sucks. Would, would do you think they would ever tell you that? Or this game is ugly. Or this game is like shoots like crap, right? Even when people were ta- even when people were distributing Thunderbirds, they were like saying nice stuff about it. Right? And then when, if you want to grade games on an A on an, you know, an eighth, it should be A through F, right? How many times have you seen an F? or a C, or a D grade when when you see pinball reviews. It's always A or B. Maybe once in a blue moon something gets a C, but no, I mean I look at pinball where some stuff is an A, some stuff is a B, but there's a lot of stuff that's crap. Like if you were giving Game of Thrones artwork a review, F, all right, F. If you were giving Oktoberfest artwork a, a, a score, well, what would it be? A D, a C minus? But, you know, but it all ends up in the same place. It's all subjective. It's all subjective. You got to play the games. You buy what you like. You listen to what you like. You know, if people want to stop listening, it's fine. You know, it's like I I look at my listener base. It's not going down. um, And I'm doing a podcast. I'm doing a solo podcast. That's the other thing. Zach just did a solo show. And I challenged him. I said, hey, man, do a solo show for a month. And let's see how the listener base reacts. I'm always solo here. When I have a guest, I get a little bump up. It's always weird. Like people, people, some people only listen to the interview shows. That's fine. But most people, most of my audience, will tune in just for these solo shows. And there's no notes. There's no editing. There's nothing. There's nothing. It's just me talking to you about pinball. I'm glad you tune in. Um, thank you to everyone who donates to the Patreon of Canadas Pinball. I thank you so much for that. Brenda, thanks you so much for that. Um, and we're going to also get on the show real soon, Mr. Ben Heck, love Ben Heck, love when he comes on. We're gonna talk about everything going on in pinball and then pretty soon, pretty soon because it is November, we're gonna have to start to do our best of what happened in 2019. Now what I'm gonna do this year is I'm gonna create my own award uh, with voting by one person, me, and I'm gonna call it Canada's Kudos Awards. And Kaneda's Kudos Awards, you know, they're the hardest awards to win because it's not voted on by everybody. It's not voted on by the pinball media. It's just me. And I am going to go down a list of different categories, not just the same as like the Twippies, and I'm going to give a Canada Kudo award out. And I am going to actually physically develop a Canada Kudo award and, and mail it to those individuals. All right, so I think that's going to be fun. The Canada kudos. Let's do this. All right, everyone, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Play your pinballs. Play your pinballs more than you read side. And everybody, get to the gym and work out way more than you play pinball. Talk to you soon. Later.